With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Audio Frontier. Hello and welcome back to Wrestling Daft The Marks. Hailing from Marlborough, winging at 183 pounds. It's good to have you back. Uh, I'm John, producer of Wrestling Daft, host of this show. Um, and with me, it's great to have him back as well. He's bigger than the price of a service station sandwich. It's Big Alex. Where have you been eating? Oh, mate, you go into any service station. I went on uh, last week, I was down, went on a road trip down Shrewsbury to see my mate. And honest to God, I have to say, stopped at TB Services. Now, TB Services is... Have you ever been to TB Services? No, I have not. I have oh, not. what a joy of a service station. Absolute joy. But very, very expensive. I mean, you were looking at... I think I paid £3.50 for a sausage roll. What? But, okay, that's ridiculous. I thought you were about to say I paid £3.50 for a sandwich, and I'm like, John, it's 2021. It's, that's how much a sandwich costs now, unfortunately. However, however, TB Services is like a farm shop, so it's all like locally sourced, so it's not, you get like nice beers there, and nice sandwiches, and like all free. Oh, is this the one just on the border, actually? Yes. Okay, no, I have been to this place. Yeah, they've got like a fucking buffet with like organic salads and stuff so yeah that's yeah, gonna yeah, be expensive yeah. best sausage roll but anyway they're very expensive service station sandwiches far too expensive better just getting a bit pack of cold meat bit of mayo away you go to the races happy days um and a man who's also joining us and probably not complaining about service station sandwiches uh he's been basically calling out the wrestling journalism world this week on twitter with clickbait and there's a big debate started on his twitter about that it's mr Gary Cassidy from Inside the Ropes. How are you, Gary? I'm just the offer service station daft. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm all about that. I know not not too bad. Um, busy couple of weeks, but it's good because I'm trying to be busy for the next couple of weeks so that I can sit back and watch the Euros and pretend that yes. wrestling's not a thing. That so. is a great show. Um, very partridge question to ask, but what is your favourite service station? See, I'm. I don't really go. I don't drive, so I don't go by service stations. Uh, I, I always jump. If I'm going to London, I jump on a plane. If I'm going anywhere, it's not really. So I'm not really a service station guy. The only time I've been on it is uh, been on any service stations is uh, like gone down to festivals in England if one of my pals is driving. But I think they're very nondescript, so I don't really have an opinion oh, on service damn. stations. Uh, it, like I, I'm, I'm easy to please. Any sandwich all day. Any you know, pick up a <laughs> cold coffee. I've eaten all day. Me. What, what, so if you go for a service station sandwich, then let's rephrase that question. What or let's just put it out to supermarkets. Let's uh, widen it out here. What do you go for when you go for that? So service stations, I tend to be pretty smart and recognise that it's probably easy to gain some kind of um, illness that you don't want to gain from eating <laughs> certain sandwiches. So I normally try and keep it quite simple. Yeah. If it feels cold, it's probably all right. Um, and I normally stay away from meat, like like coordination. I wouldn't get coordination chicken right, for right. a service station. I think that's a disaster waiting to happen. Would you so go for a, would you take cheese a plowmans. Just a no, no, cheese plowmans or something like that. But if I'm going to a supermarket... I'm a, I'm one of these guys that I love everything in a wrap, so I go for a wrap rather than a sandwich. But if I'm going for a sandwich, 
Give some chicken and bacon, give some chicken and sweet corn. I'll have a wee tuna cucumber as well, but I mainly chicken. But if service station, get the chicken out the window because it's probably going to uh, make you ill. <laughs> but uh, I won't get into the difference between a service station sandwich and a supermarket <laughs> sandwich. Um, Alex, would you like to contribute your favourite sandwich to this discussion? It's all went very partridge. I'm, I'm quite par- I'm quite partial to a coronation chicken, but I am with Gary. Really? I wouldn't buy one from a service station right. for fear okay. of the shits. So there's your advice from Wrestling Daft people. Uh, don't buy service station sandwiches. Or if you are going to buy one, buy uh, something that's non-chicken. Um, four right. minutes in and you've got the title of the episode. I love when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apologies for the lack of marks last week. We were all very busy. But we're back. And hey, this, not much has happened in wrestling since we last spoke, is it? Jesus. Uh, let's kick off, uh, Alex, coming to you probably on this. Double or nothing. Was that AEW's best pay-per-view to date? Maybe not their best, but definitely their best of the last year, I would yeah. say. They very much felt like they returned to pay-per-view form, which I was very happy to see, personally. So, I don't know. I think there was still something very magical about, like, you know, the first all-out and the first double or nothing, which I think you've still got, like, the early days hype. But definitely, the, like, since... Yeah, definitely within the last year, it was definitely the best one. I didn't really think there was a low point in it. And I think, at the end of the day, all the matches were right and... I'm so unprepared this week. I can't even remember what the fact. I'll go through the card with him. Go through the card. Just give me a verdict. So, uh, best friends beat private party to become number one contenders. Right result? Wrong result. I would say wrong result. But Wrong result considering what they're doing in a private party. But that was pre-show, was it not? Yeah. Aye. Nobody watched the pre-show. Nobody watched the pre-show. Yeah, pre-show. Okay, watched. I'm just going through the card. I was uh, going to say, I don't recognise that match. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch that. Brian Cage uh, winning the Casino Adamar match. And obviously we had... A no, this is, that's last year. This is the wrong Oh, that's not the last year. I was about to say, Brian Cage versus Hangman Page was actually was, was a terrific match. And I think the right person won. And they're setting that up for the rubber match. And they have obviously been now further growing the dissension in Team Taz after Starks and Hook came out to help Cage through them off and ended up winning the match. I was just sitting there thinking, going, Jesus, that that doesn't sound right to me. Is uh, right match now? of the night, I think, from Double or Nothing would have had to have been the Bucks versus Moxley and King. Oh, well, well, that's a great oh, okay, Is go this go where you're going to go? You're going to go into that triple threat, aren't you? See, I'm was, just being... Sorry. Wh- well, I was going to say that uh, while John was looking for the results, I remember the second match being that Bucks uh, Moxley Kingston match, and it was okay. But I thought it was the longest match I've ever watched, even though time wise it wasn't. It just twenty one like minutes. It went, it went, it went twenty one minutes. Uh, but it just felt like it went on forever, and I did like some of the false finishes were really good, but it just felt like it went on for an eternity. And it's I fine think the because moment, everybody I'm too busy else being a Bucks Mark, and I'm just lapping it all up. <laughs> So. And I do. I love their new attire, and I did really like, especially the entrance, like John Moxley and uh, Kingston's entrance. But it just felt like it went on forever for me. Um, but I did think it, everybody's seen its match of the night. I don't even think it was in like the top three matches of the night. I think there was a lot of good matches on that on the card. Wow! A lot of but, people wow. are talking about the triple threat being the best main event triple threat in many a year. Well, see, this is where I think I would say I think that had maybe slightly too many false finishes. But no, I just I, I think it was a brilliant. Uh, again, that match kind of encapsulates how I feel about the full card because I think it was a brilliant match, but it went too long, and it's like. <laughs> Four hours of a pay-per-view for me is just a killer, and that's not even counting the, the pre-show. Um, but I loved the Britt Baker moment. I thought, you know, long overdue for a start, but it was kind of built perfectly. I just think she does amazing, uh, but I think Britt Baker's amazing. I just thought that was a brilliant match. 
I also um, like how they've turned her immediately full back heel. They kind of gave, yeah, they turned, they were like tweening her a little bit for the big moment. Then they're like, right, so this week on Dynamite, yeah, Brit's still a fucking heel for the week, guys. I was like, a, a wee, they gave it the right amount, a wee three seconds, let the crowd get that. But my favourite match, and I know that a lot of people are not absolutely massive on this match, my match of the card, without a doubt, Sting, Darby Allen. Oh, uh, Sting was fucking that. amazing. Sting didn't look like, I think he's 62. Sting didn't look 62 in that match. And, and Darby Allen played it perfectly as well. And I, I think Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page played their parts as well. That was my match of the, the full card. I loved that. Couldn't have done any better for me. I would literally say that Sting wrestled better in that match than he did his entire TNA run. I'm not joking by that. Like wow. the minute he took his t shirt off and he jumped off the staging, I was like, holy fuck. Sting is actually here. He's arrived. <laughs> Probably better than these WWE matches, even though there weren't many of them either. I'd say like Sting there looked like it just. I, I was like, how is this guy sixty two? How is he no wrestled like a non cinematic match for over six years? Just looked brilliant. I thought Darby Allen was great, although I was terrified when he took that bump into the crowd. Um, one of the many bumps that he took, that I was terrified. Uh, but I just thought that match was absolutely brilliant, and for like, it's perfect because I think that is like the match that would get people that are like into old school stuff, want to see Sting again, love their nostalgia. Whereas there was a lot of matches that weren't they for me that everybody else loved. So obviously, a really good pay per view and had something for everybody. And I think the, the thing to highlight about that match is that it brought in attention to three completely unknown stars to a lot of people, and three of their up and most up and coming rising stars in Sky Page and Darby as well. So it was a very smart play to book that entire program. Before you even finish this question, John, I'm saying no, big no. Right, you know, question: well, Could Cody, <laughs> Cody have went over Anthony Agogo? No, no nah. chance. Also, someone needs to tell. I mean, I'm stealing this on Twitter, but somebody needs to tell Cody that uh, Highlander was a was the heel. From uh, the boys, so aye, it, it was for me. It's Homelander, like, not Highlander. Sorry, that was me being stupid. I feel like we are kind of we are the outsiders in this one because if you're American and there's an American guy fighting for America the day before Memorial Day, of course he's going to win. But it doesn't really need to beat the under, well, not undefeated. Why so, well, is undefeated? Any? They were going to know. You don't need to beat, and you don't need. To, I know he didn't kick out his finisher. But you don't need to devalue his uh, finisher. Like I just thought it was a terrible decision. They obviously got a go go back on the back on the front foot the very next uh, show, but no, terrible decision. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to make him um, for better or worse. I think they're trying to make Cody the John Cena AEW. We all the merch. We you know the kind of he done the open challenge. Uh, he's just he's the face of the company. He's brilliant to be in the face of the company. Kids love him. Obviously, the, the merch is selling it, but I don't think you need to go that far with the, the Cena uh, and, and have him beat everybody. I yeah. kind of don't think after watching the match, it was a good performance from a go but did they need to put a go in this position that early? I felt they could have maybe built him a little bit more and given him a little bit more ring time, more importantly, before putting him into this stage, personally. Yep, the one bit that I loved, um, and it, it did kind of have me wondering if it was real or no, which is why I loved it, was, uh, was the eye. Because mm. obviously he's got his... His disability in his eye that means he's got like almost no vision in that eye, and they, they kind of played up to that, which I did like, but then they, they fucked it when they had him lose. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, go go. They're obviously they've got faith, and he, he does no bad. He's like, in terms of what I've initially saw with him, like, in no, terms he's, of he's fine. He's fine. I just don't, I think he just could have had a little maybe be like the next pay per view or the pay per view after. It just felt like he could have had a couple more in Rick. That would have probably maybe even been his first wrestling match in front of a crowd, perhaps. Aye, yeah. and it was like his first non-squash match so, yeah, <laughs> so. first match where I had to like sell and stuff so yeah 
did all right, did all right. It'll be interesting to see what to do with him in future. But the future is bright for that young man, let me tell you. Um, we had some debuts in AEW as well since we last spoke. Mark Henry turned out and up out of nowhere. And then Leo Rush as well debuted in at Double or Nothing as well. Um, and Leo Rush going forward, it's just a temporary deal. Am I right in saying that, Gary? Signed way in New Japan, but I don't think that's like, obviously we know Moxley, <laughs> perfect example there. Um, yeah. I think we will see him a bit more. I think that was the, the perfect time to debut Mark Henry because I love Leo Rush and I know that a lot of, he's got a lot of fans on the indies, but some people were like, oh, Leo Rush is a surprise. But it's like, well, they didn't build up a massive surprise. It's just a surprise. You know, it's it's been Matt Seidel and, and, and that. So I thought it was brilliant seeing him. But then... You know, the Brian Cage, then Matt Seidel and now Leo Rush. I think that's a fair, yeah. like, I thought it was fair. And he was good. He's the kind of person you want in a battle royal, essentially. Yep, but obviously a lot of people thought it was Andrade. He did the debut that night, but I think the perfect thing they done was have Mark Henry a couple of you know segments later come out because that's a massive surprise. And then <laughs> the, I'll, I'll criticise that. I think we're probably going to talk about it, but uh, I'll criticise the Andrade one because I don't know why they debuted on debuted them on the Friday night where they knew it was going to be a low viewership. Nay, like build, which is obvious. We don't want build. We want the surprise. I feel like that was a bad decision. But I hunters of debuts, they'll fail ramping up for a rampage, aren't they? And it's yeah. only going to get like it's only going to be a couple more, considering the most recent. Well, releases. exactly. We'll get on to that in a minute. Uh, Mark Kenny, do you think he'll strap the boots back on? Aye, aye. He's been losing hunters away. He's been saying he wants to return to the ring. The one Should big have heard was, on commentary as well. He was like, "Oh, he's still got the fire in him and all that stuff too." Uh, the one big spell was that they say they wanted to wrestle Randy Orton, but obviously that's not going to happen. But um, aye, I think he's definitely going to wrestle. I think there's a lot of good matches. I'd love to see him against Brian Cage. I'd love to see him against Powerhouse Hobbs. I'd love to see him either paired with one of them as well. I, I think there's lots of lots of stuff you can do, lots of big guys. But the thing about Mark Henry for me is, you know, that he's signed in many capacities. Wrestling wasn't even mentioned, although he will. The big thing about him scouting, because he brought to WWE, he brought Tay Conte, he brought Braun Strowman. Obviously, people that have now left, but... You know, you see what they what they can do and the people that he can bring in. Man, he's going to be a big acquisition for them. So yeah. what? Expect to see Braun Strowman in three months' time <laughs> in AEW. I thought that was thing. perfect timing when I seen yeah. that he was released. I was like, Mark Henry's job might have just got a wee bit easier. <laughs> mm. Aye. I don't know, Strowman then? might be a bit too expensive now, though. It depends if he's willing to cut his wages. Uh, yeah. You never know. Yeah, Let's get to that. Obviously, uh, in the last week or so, we... we we caught up, we talked about it on Wrestling Daft there uh, just last week with Rab and Toll. That was just breaking as we recorded the show. Uh, Braun Strowman, Buddy Murphy, Alistair Black, Santana Garrett and Ruby Raya all released from WWE last week. And I believe, Gary, there might be more to come. Is that what you're hearing? Um, it's, it's been rumoured, but I've not heard it in specifically. Uh, a lot of rumours kind of gone about the NXT UK is going to have some... Um, some people released, but it's it's again, it's no stuff that I, like. I had one person saying, and I can say this now because I know that it's been pretty much debunked, but one person was saying that Piper Niven might be released, which is the one that I was like, no chance, absolutely no chance. AEW wanted her. I know that she is on like one of the higher ends of the wage in terms of um, in terms of what WWE NXT UK folk are, but it's now emerged that she might be heading to Raw. <laughs> so wow. there you go. She might be she might be heading to Raw to be a bodyguard for uh, Eva Marie. Oh was, really? Is that who uh, they're thinking? Wow. I thought yeah, you were I, about to say just uh, fucking Nikki, obviously. The minute I, then, I thought they no, were going to have the Scottish connection. Um, this was both wrestle votes, and uh, Sean Ross Sapp said that apparently it could be her or Mercedes Martinez. I'd think she'd be more likely because obviously Mercedes Martinez was on Raw and, and 
dropped back to NXT. Um, but that obviously I know was nonsense. And there was a lot of names that were chucked in there. Jack Stars was chucked in there. I was like, he's on uh, the lower end of the wage and been featured quite a lot. So like, I'm, I'm not sure how much I believe that NXT UK is going to suffer cuts, but there's a lot of rumours on the other end that WWE is kind of shaping up for a sale, which is something that I think might be likely. So if you're thinking that, look how the blue Braun Strowman came. I know that the main reason for him was the high wage. Uh, so that's the kind of thing where you're thinking, if you're on a high wage, you yeah. probably would be worried. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, unless you're Roman Reigns, because there's no chance he's getting let go. Um, but below that, I mean, Braun Strowman was a big name, so... Yeah. How long ago yeah. was Strowman the champ? Like less than a year. He also he worked with Shane. Ago, yeah. But he, he was big me, enough that he got the Shane match and they felt they needed to put him on the card. So his last two WrestleMania appearances, he beat Goldberg and he beat Shane McMahon. And then two weeks ago, he was in a WWE championship match. So, <laughs> I, know. so, so I mean, Mental. Mental. I mean, you laugh about it, but it's the kind of thing where you go, would anybody I feel mean, like they've got job security outside of Triple H and the McMahons and, and Roman Reigns? Surely does Triple If Vince is going to sell, what happens to Trips? Because the entire family legacy... As, as I said on the, the last point, it is like the first Spider-Man movie where it's like Norman Osborn <laughs> takes uh, Oscorp, you know, and then the board sell it out from underneath him. I've got a feeling this is what's happening here when Vince turns up and then Vince will turn into the Green Goblin and come and get them all. Um, <laughs> But, Can we book that, please? <laughs> let's book it. Let's book it. Bring back Fancy Booking Island. Um, just let's run through the names, see if we're, I want to ask you where you think they're going to end up. Let's start off. Ruby Riot. I don't know. I think she. I think she's one that could end up getting into like cage fighting or something like that. I'd love to see her go to Japan, do a wee bit there, but she'd be perfect anywhere. I think she's absolutely amazing. So Yeah. Um, Alex? You could see her in Impact or AEW if she wants to continue in the States. I think both would snap her up. Santana Garrett? Probably impact. Impact. Maybe. I'm, I'm not. A, oh, one of the ones that kind of like, I'm surprised they had announced them on the same level. As NWA's kind of like a very good shout. She only got announced there because she'd been, I think Sean Ross Sapp covered that a while ago, but she'd been called up. So she was on a main roster contract. Um, yeah. Aye. Yeah. Um, Buddy Murphy. Oh, my, I'd love to see him in Impact because I think AEW, it would probably get lost in the shuffle a wee bit again. Yeah. I think he's Impact X Division champion written all over him. Yeah. Like hardcore Impact X Division champion, mm. like with bells and whistles for a prolonged period of time kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Strowman, but Alistair Black, after this Dark Father character build over the last few weeks, and then suddenly looks like he's going to be a program with Big E, and then out of nowhere, he's dropped. Um, I think he's the big get here. He's the big get over Strowman. He'd be cheaper, and I think there's a hell of a lot more you can do with him. And can we actually bring back the Sumerian Death Squad? And can we now only ever refer to him as Tommy End, which is a far fucking better name than Alistair I, Black? I think he'll go, he'll go back to Tommy End, probably. He already has, I'm pretty I, sure. Has, I think the big, the big surprise there for me is, like, those vignettes, they, 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 they look cheap. Yeah, they were produced. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they did not look cheap. So that's a lot. Of, like, two months ago, Alistair Black being released doesn't surprise me. Um, but the timing of this do one think, does. Do you think Vince just hasn't known this has been going on? It's like, Christ, what's going on? He just switched on, like, uh, SmackDown one night going, what's going on here? It's like, uh, you just say do whatever you want. It's like, what? This guy, I'm getting rid of this guy. Aye, his wife fucked us over with the Twitch thing. Get rid of him. Aye, go. Oh, those rumours that she's coming back. I know. I'd imagine that's going to be fairly axed now. Because I had read that and there was a not, someone had come oh. out and said something like... Um, yeah, that's all nonsense because that's obviously not the case. But imagine how hilarious it would be if they bring back Zelina Vega after firing Alistair Black. The one thing about Alistair Black, I'll say, is I think 
most people will be agreed that he is better in a non-PG promotion, but I think his time in WWE, if anything, will show anybody else how well you can package him, how well you can produce them and not really take much away. I think it's finding a middle ground between Tommy End and Alistair Black now, and I think he'll be better than he ever was when it, whenever it goes next. I think New Japan, I think he would work really well in New Aye. Japan. The hard hitting style and that, and I think also when you look at Chris Jericho and how he became like the the, the pain maker was it that his uh, name was in yeah. New Japan the yeah. painting stuff, man. I think if you if you package up Alistair Black like that, have that as a surprise, people will go mental for it. Yeah, and we alluded to there. Uh, obviously, Mark Henry in AEW, Braun Strowman's only heading one way, isn't he? If he, if they can afford them. He's gets like for me, and again, I know money is a big thing, and Impact do pay well, but he is a guy that I could have seen an impact. Like, just it, it just has that look. NWA, I think it'd be amazing in NWA. He's the one for me that I'm going, How did WWE not make him a star? Because mm-hmm. he's, he's got everything that they love, and it's not even that. It came up to the main roster, and we we're all going, Who's this guy? He's not very good, he's quite green, and then he still smashed it at the park, despite everybody not really thinking he was that good. He had everything that Vince loved, and they still just, I think they just missed so many chances to make him the guy that they eventually couldn't make him the guy. They could have made him the guy. I was speaking to Billy Kirkwood at work today, um, and he was saying he could have been their Hogan. He could have been the next Hogan. See, when he was at that point where he was all these feats of strength, if they just put him over Lesnar, at that point, he could have went on to be that Hogan type. Uh, Even it, was it not him versus Reigns when Nicholas, they had Lesnar come in Nicholas, and then yeah. they stopped the match and it was a hell in the cell match like that I, was that yeah. was their last fucking chance and they yeah. blew it I mean even the money go, in the bank you know just, just going over with Nicholas with the tag belts all that sort of stuff it was just it almost I feel like his downfall was almost being too willing to adapt and being too good at comedy and then like it was like our truth 10 years ago I keep saying it where he said I, I named me a place wrong and then he was the comedy guy ever since and he's great at it but it just means he'll never be in that upper echelon. Artrith's like, probably never going to be a WWE champion. champion. Uh, Braun Strowman, I think he just caught himself in that where he was too willing to adapt, too good at it. And I always go back to, I think you guys were maybe at one of the live events that Strowman was on. I always say for me, in front of a live crowd, he was the most over person that, that I think I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of not really having the... Ma- well, I did get the massive pop when he came out because of the big Braun stuff, but managing to get... Fans whipped into a frenzy, getting like the kids loving him yeah, and uh, mentioning like, I like when I interviewed Lashley, he's just like Lashley said he's larger than life. Kids are gonna like look at him and go, wow, he's just big. Could have been the guy, and I just think it's such a shame that he's not gonna be because I don't, mm. I don't think he fits into the stereotypical AEW mold. Yeah, but he might yeah. end up there, and they might mold him into something better. Who knows? True, I'm intrigued to see how he'd fit in there because, like, you see how Miro's developed over the past six months, and it took him a little bit to find his feet. Six months, a year, actually. Um, took him six months to find his feet, didn't it? So, I, do you think Braun could adapt that quickly to them? I'll give you a shout. Braun Strowman's going to become an actor. I think he'll go to Hollywood. Hollywood. I think, like, he's already started, is he not? He's done a couple he's, of roles. He's been in, um, oh, he was in something that was actually quite big, but only for a cameo like last year. But I think. You know, you look at the way Batista, The Rock, and all that have adapted John Cena. And Braun Strowman, he's sh- shown he can adapt, so I think he could do it in Hollywood. Yeah. Interesting to see what happens next with him. Um, before we move on to Gary's joke, have you got a joke for us this week, Gary? I have got half a one. 
Right, excellent. <laughs> um, uh, quick one for you, Alex. Our Patreon, as ever, Neil Gow has been in touch. I don't know how how much New Japan you've said, but he says, Hi, John, hope you and the family are keeping well. At the risk of sounding like someone writing into Jim will fix it, but it was still classed as acceptable. Please, please, please give Alex five minutes to update on New Japan this week. I just got told off for cheering too loudly at what happened at Dominion. Totally worth it. So are you aware of a certain um, vacation, vacation? <laughs> um, a man had to vacate a belt. Are you aware of this, John? No, I am not aware. So poor Mr. William Osprey had to vacate the IWGP oh, right. World Heavyweight Divas Champion due to a shoulder injury, I believe it was it, Gary? I think I read that. Yeah, I think it's meant to be shoulder or back bank. It was mainly shoulder injury. But there's some... There's a bit of fugazi about that where some people are saying that it's all backstage heat and he's just vacated it for that reason. Don't know if I believe that, but the official line was shoulder or back injury, I think. So the main event of Dominion was the rematch from the New Japan Cup of Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada. And John, can you can you imagine, sorry, for the belt, obviously, and can you imagine what happened if it's coming in from Mr. Go? <laughs> Okay. Oh, well, well, we, we know what happened. We know what happened. So Did he Mr. Go? Shingo Takagi... Wins Shingo? the IWGP. Did Shingo World go over? Shingo oh, went over, mate. I'm so happy for Neil. I'm so happy for him. Get on the Twitter. It's, it's, it's the New Japan's always really good at posting like images of the new champions and like tears. And there's just some really good shots of him just like on his knees in the middle of the ring with a confetti. And he just he looks the part. It was, it was a really good match as well. And so I'm really happy. Put over Akada as well. Wow. Even and I know who this. Akada is. <laughs> I think the whole point, you wanted to put him over Lakata to really legitimise him, you know? Like, I mean, okay. that's the one advantage of the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship is, like, the champion is always really held in really high esteem. So to go over them... Apart from evil. Prestige. Sorry? Apart, apart from evil. Yeah, that was that was kind of a bit of a share, wasn't it? Nobody <laughs> really nobody really knew what that was about. I, I blame the pandemic for that. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and Naito's horrible luck with the IWGP heavyweight belt and stuff as well. So it's a, it's a twofold problem. But yes, Shingo is the new champ in Japan, John. He's the man. Here we go. We've had we've had a wee brief encounter with turning Japanese once more. We'll need to bring that back soon. Uh, but listen, like, talking of features which we've brought into show, let's go now to Gary's joke of the week. So I did say that it's a kind of rubbish joke. Right. Um, the punchline is going to come a bit. Well, there isn't really a punchline to this joke, but there is a punchline. That's the whole point of a joke, um, Gary. <laughs> it, it starts so, off, it takes you down one way, and then there's a punchline. So my my, my half joke is uh, an Irishman and a Swissman walk into a bar. Um, oh, for God's sake! Right, right okay, right. We know the the punchline is actually the last seven minutes of Raw, which we'll get into in the berries and putovers because it was a joke. And that's the only way I can describe it. So okay. I, I almost, I almost ditched the joke completely, but I thought I'd still give you half a one. I like, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I got that. Uh, we'll get into Raw when we go to the buddies and putting overs. It sounds there's a lot to talk about from last night's Raw. Um, of course, we'll be joined by Rico and Bronze Chell, our new age Mark Claus, who will be talking SmackDown. Me and Alex will cover off AEW and NXT. Gary caught up with W. Morrissey. Now, if you don't know who W. Morrissey is, no, he is not... Uh, related to the Morrissey of Smith's fame, which is, thank God, he's probably just about as controversial as Morrissey, however. It is Big Cass. What can we expect to hear from Big Cass later on the show? Told me he would go out tonight, but he didn't have a stitch to wear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I know, it was a brilliant chat. Like, 
the first thing that I had to address was um, that I'd reported on his debut. Um, so obviously I asked him about it because you don't want it to be that awkward thing where you you don't talk about it for the full thing and then he goes, this guy's a prick, I'll just give him bad answers because he ruined my <laughs> debut. So yeah, you need to address it, elephant in the room and all that. So I asked him about that. Um, but the other things that I wanted to ask him about, you know, everybody spoke about the Enzo stuff to death and all that. I was like, I want to ask him about kind of his time out of the wrestling business because uh, DDP and DDPY was uh, kind of the, the thing that helped him get through his alcohol addiction, depression. He was quite open about that. So I asked him about all of that. Um, so long ago that I can't remember much else. <laughs> well, it's okay. You'll be able to hear the full thing later on the show. But before we get to that, let's cut a promo. I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. Right, boys. Um, it's time to cut a promo on WhatsApp and more specifically WhatsApp groups. Um, there's a etiquette of WhatsApp, isn't there? You know, you're in a group. Do you exit a group and then leave the group? Or do you just stay on, stay in the group? What do you do? Because I'm confused by, by it. Is, it. is there an etiquette? Because it really pisses me off, and I don't know why. But see, when someone exits a group, it's like two fingers up going, fuck you. I, I was going to say, I think you're meant to just say fuck you first and then leave the group. I think that's good etiquette. I think. Uh, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like this is a bizarre one, because um, to peel the curtain back, we use WhatsApp. <laughs> Well, that, that that is true. So no, I don't. I like the the concept of WhatsApp. I mean, WhatsApp has basically destroyed the text message as we know it, hasn't it? It's really. I, mean, I don't oh. even get a fucking phone signal in my house. I can't send a text message. I know. The, the, the one thing I'll say though, I noticed that for years I was just like using like Facebook Messenger, so I didn't even have a need to get anybody's phone number to put in my phone. At least WhatsApp, you kind of need a phone number of sorts. But ah, uh, it's, it's destroyed. Like, who needs text messaging now? I know, but are you what? I just want to get the etiquette because you know I'm all for WhatsApp. I'm not cut, you know, um, cutting a promo on WhatsApp. Good, good uh, bit of software, you know. But I want to just just the etiquette and the the exiting group or the weave group. How do you go about that? It's a mind. Who hurt you, John? Who hurt you? And no, why? Just, no, well, you just when you're in a group and then someone just says such and such has left the group, and you think, oh, that's sad. You know, when was the last time such and such had participated in the group? Well, not never, but then then you go back and you think, I'm going back to my oldest WhatsApp group here, right? Let's see what... what should I just go back? Oh, God, I've got so many here, right? Oh, big popular John. There we go. Big John, many friends. Just loads of conversations. <laughs> with no, he's, he's not actually got any messages to him. It's just a good <laughs> Right, there we go. July 2018. I can leave that group. Oh, can't I? I can leave that group now. Oh, 2018, aye, come on. I don't know, John, but you're, you're about to be the guy that you're cutting a promo <laughs> but then you need to, not you, even a promo. Leave the group, you leave the group, and then you need to, then you're the only person left. And you, uh, right, anyway, so yeah, I, I need I need advice on etiquette on WhatsApp and leaving groups, because it's just confusing me. Do you want me to give you a wee quick good WhatsApp story, uh, the new, before uh, we go? Because I don't use WhatsApp much. Go. So this is the a promo. By any means, just I want to get out of the way before the guy smashes my head in because it's in the promo segment. Um, but a few years ago, I was setting up a promo with a certain talent who was Mahabali Shera, Grado's big pal. Yeah. Um, who Grado had worked with at this time, which this is pertinent to the story. And I sent him a message. Hi, I will not reveal his non-gimmick name. I don't want to give you a shoot name, but in case anybody hasn't Googled it and end up I'm ruining their lives. Um, but I said, hi, shoot name. Nice to meet you. I'm Gary from 
former employer, who I won't name as well, um, person, name redacted, told me you're up for appearing on show name. <laughs> so setting up the interview. It's now sounding more convoluted. So I, I was going to say, Dan, you're not really telling us much um, here. <laughs> but I was like, that's awesome. When would you be free? Can we set up something soon? And I got a response from Mahabali Shera saying, hi, Gary. And that's the last message I've got from Mahabali Shera, and that was the 18th of August, 2019. I then found out that afterwards he had watched one of the videos and sent a message to the guy that set up the interview saying, can't understand this guy's accent, so I would rather do the interview, and I believe it's Hindu uh, as his language, his, his mother tongue. Um, so he done that. So uh, I ended up, I've still got, uh, because I don't exit it, and which was the point of the story, I don't exit any WhatsApp groups, I don't delete any conversations, because don't you don't burn a bridge, you know. Might, I might need to message Mahabali Shera about something someday, you never know. <laughs> uh, so I've still got a WhatsApp message for Mahabali Shera on the... Uh, the 18th of August 2019 that's replying to my big wall of text just saying hi Gary go and just message him right now right now Gary just go <laughs> how's it going just 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 go do it for us, right, do it for us. exit the conversation <laughs> how's it going then exit the conversation <laughs> or just send the wee gif of friends from the in-betweeners who just like <laughs> <laughs> right okay well what advice and whatsapp groups we're kind of promoing that this week and that's all I've got to say about that <laughs> Every week on Wrestling After March, we look back at the, the shows from across the week. Apologies, we missed last week. We're just going to concentrate um, on this week, so um, no buddies and putovers from the or nothing. But we'll get the buddies and putovers from this week's show. I, of course, do NXT. Alex does AEW. Gary does Raw, which sounds like it's going to be interesting this week. And we bring on our listener tag team of Mr. Bronze Chell and Rico, who take on SmackDown. How are you doing, boys? Very well, chaps. How are you guys? Lovely. 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 Um, just, I, we're all feeling a bit sympathetic for Bronze Chell. This is his Twitter moniker. He's sitting with a Bronze <laughs> Strowman t-shirt on as we speak. Have you got your black armband on, mate? How are you coping with the news that he's he's no longer going to be in WWE? I'm just a little bit pissed off because if right. you've got nothing for a six foot eight guy that weighs three hundred and eighty five pounds and is massively over, there's something wrong. I literally can't think of a better way to put it than that. That's just beautifully summed up the entire situation. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, for hope for your sake and for your Twitter's sake, Bronze, that it does turn up somewhere else hopefully AEW though he won't be he won't be called Braun Strowman anymore ah yeah that Braun Strowman will be dead Adam Sheriff's cello uh, no yeah. I, I think it should be called uh, Bro Strongman <laughs> yeah, if, if you've got a suggestion for a new Twitter handle or a new name for Bronze Chill himself please get in touch with the show so we can pass that on uh, but yeah please, please keep them clean <laughs> 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 it's a wrestling daft audience you know that isn't going to happen god's sake uh right okay boys thanks for joining us and um, let's move on to the buddies and putovers from this week um and first it, it confuses me every week that I, I go first with nxt now so um nxt um we're on the uphill with it we're on the uphill and we're on our way to the next in your house um interesting stuff happening on the show but first and foremost let's go to fashion corner as we like to do on the marks, um, and I am going to. I, it's been bug. It's been a bugbear for me for some time. 
Uh, Pete Dunne's fur kind of jacket thing does nothing for me. It does nothing for him. But he's yeah. a bear. It's the whole bear thing. He's, he's got the bear tattoo. He's got the bear logo and he wears a bear jacket. And he, he, he smells like a bear. Bronson. No. He smells like a bear. How do you know he smells like a bear? I don't know how he smells like a bear. I thought you just said he smells I didn't know like he smells like a bear. I didn't that. I said he smells like a bear. I don't know if Pete Dunn smells, smells like a bear. <laughs> Gary, have you met Pete Dunn? No, I've actually not. So right. he, he may indeed, um, but I, I, I wouldn't think so. He looks like a man who takes care of himself. Okay, if you you have met, I mean, I don't, what what does a beer smell like? I don't know. You need to tell, tell us that too. Right. Okay. Man. If you can, you get, if you are by happen be involved in wildlife, maybe you're a zookeeper or something. You have smelled a beer and also smelled Pete Dunn. So you can compare the two smells. Please let, please get in touch and let us know. I don't know if there is such a person in this world that has smelled both a bear and Pete Dunne. Maybe an American wrestling fan who also works in a national park somewhere in America, potentially. Has smelled a bear and smelled... Right, okay, well, he goes you are that person. No. So it's a very specific expertise. It's a very specific ask, a very niche ask, but there might you might be out there. You might be out there. WWE anyway. brings out scratch and sniff cards next for each of the wrestlers they're either listening to us or some cd corners of the internet <laughs> how do you improve the thunderdome scratch and sniff <laughs> brilliant uh so yeah uh bear aside I, no, i'm not digging it alex i'm not taking it i know you i know where he's going with the bear stuff but there you have it. i'm not having it um let's go to the put over first put over i've got to give it to adam cole's fucking line he had an absolute i'm bit para i'm paraphrasing a wee bit here but he you know he's he's comes up against carrying cross carrying cross comes out to the intro and by the way i'm putting over the fact it didn't come out to the big intro because i don't think he needs to come out to that all the time i think he just needs to come out that at pay-per-views and special occasions because i think he can you know Anyway, so he didn't come out to that. He just walked out and confronted Cole in the ring. And uh, Aaron Cole said something along the lines of, you know, you've got special size, the special entrance, the special woman. All they have to do is ring the bell and I'm special. I thought, wow. It, we, a part of me is it slightly, but what a line from Adam Cole. What a line. Loved that. Loved that. Um, you know, he's. it looks like we're heading to a big kind of six-way job uh, in your house, which is going to be barnstorming but i i don't know where they're going with the co at the moment because he's got almost a tweener style thing going he came down with a chair and wrecked everyone and everyone was kind of cheering it when they should have been booing it so i'm really kind of bury that because I, I don't know if they know where they're going with adam cole character or you know it's just interesting he's he's hitting that part where I don't know what more they can do. You know, he's getting to that Gargano Champa stage. Just like, what more can you do with Adam Cole? What I think for me, I, when when he came back, my first, I know that a lot of people will have seen him back, but I was like, why? Put him on Raw SmackDown. Stop it. I know. I, know. I, don't <laughs> really know do. I don't know what more we can do with him in NXT uh, after the breakup. I mean, that's probably, I mean, we, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, did they do a kind of undisputed era civil war? But I think that moment's gone. You know what I mean? They've they missed it. it. <laughs> they've done it. They just had the involved two of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, they kind of just they've, they've paired this whole undisputed era thing out, and it's now just the. I know. For lack of a word. I know. So God knows where it's going, but yeah, I'm going to kind of going to bury that. Um, I'm also going to bury the. 
the million dollar legacy stuff it's kind of flipped i mean we missed a week of smart uh doing this surprise there i'm yeah. very surprised that this is getting a bury yeah i know it is it is because like i don't know where they're going with it because grimes was up against the million dollar man and then ellie knight's coming into it and then we've got peel against the heel for this million dollar legacy now obviously there's announcement getting made in nxt I'm presuming it is going to be the reinstatement of the million dollar belt and whoever wins that match will get the million dollar belt. It has to be, unless they're bringing back Virgil and saying you win custody of Virgil uh, if you win this match. No, Chris Jericho wins Virgil. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I like, I just wanted that transition between Grimes and the million dollar man. I like the fact they're getting Ellie Knight because I'm a big fan of Ellie Knight, especially on the mic and you know, I think he's really good in the ring as well. But I don't know if this is the way they should have went with it. But, you know, we will wait and see what happens. And if the million-dollar belt gets reintroduced, I'm all in, baby. Um, right, okay, another put-over. Um, I'm going to go... What am I going to go for? I've got a few things written down here. The way it's no-look high-five, I'll just give that a slight nod because I think that's incredible. Like, a no-look high-five is so hard to do. Try it. I've tried it. I was like, okay, I was like, you know how we were talking about wives talk, watch wrestling? Like, uh, I was just like, can you just try this with me for a minute? <laughs> See how easy this is to do. That's how we roll in our marriage life. Let's try a no look high five. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm just letting you into too, there's too much information coming out of this podcast today. Uh, I, I, I like the start of the show. Um, I loved the transition. They had um, a kind of big, the big three-way, which got broke up by Cole, and then they just transitioned straight into Ember Moon. I just like the whole show of NXT. I just think it flows really well. There's It, it builds towards another show. It builds towards the pay-per-views really well. It just feels like there's a reason for everything that happens on the card, you know, whether it's you know, Ember Moon coming into the ring and calling out um, Raquel Gonzalez or and just the little package that built to other bets. I just think it's a really well put together uh, show and I think Raw could learn a lot from it. So that is uh, my buddies and putovers. Uh, match of the night, I'm going to have to give it to the opening match. O'Reilly, Dunn, Gargano. Could watch those boys wrestle all night. It's just brilliant in-ring stuff um, and really looking forward to the In Your House when we add some more... <laughs> Uh, people into that equation, which is going to be absolutely mental. When you think you're going to put, if they're going to put Cole, Carrying Cross, and Finn Balor into that equation, wow, that is going to be. I just don't know how you manage that. There, it just seems there's going to be too many, too many cooks in that match. But we will wait and we shall see. Um, let's move on to AEW and Alex. Well, it's the NBA playoffs, and so you know what that means. AW Dynamite is fucking second fiddle on DNT. So we got moved <laughs> to Friday, and this was very much a cool down week. I think they've been running some seriously hot TV in the build up to double or nothing. And I think this was very much a bit of a cool down for the week. And I think we needed it so much so that one of my highlights was learning that the fantastic game show, The Cube, has officially made it to the States. So, you lucky devils, America. You lucky devils. <laughs> You're okay, a fan fashion- of The Cube. Sorry? You like The Cube. 
Oh, it's it's meds. It's like student television that you watch during the day when you've got nothing better to do. And I always quite like Skillet. I think it's fantastic. And I'm su- very surprised that John doesn't like the cube. I thought John was like a game show fanatic and loved any game show. He, he only loves the ones about knowledge. He doesn't like the ones that you know are about skill and luck and a cube. No, it's more. Am I right in saying that Mo Farah is the only person to beat the cube? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, really? yeah. <laughs> more people would have been in the cube by now. I think we can we start a campaign, get John on the cube. I'd, I'd be rubbish on the cube. I'd be property. I'm too stecky. I will say, I actually watched the uh, side note. I watched the hit list for the first time ever this week, and I, I have a slight new admiration for John for coming away with that amount of money because not many people mm-hmm. seem to do it. It's a pity. Um, I'll give my bunny instead. It's a pity you shite at wrestling quizzes. So. <laughs> I'm, I am shite at wrestling quizzes, but music quizzes, I am your man. And obviously, <laughs> one time winner of BBC Primetime Saturday Night Game Show, The Hit List. Thank you very much. Speaking of music, actually, I'm going to put a quick extra put over to the fact that Cody has stopped using the Snoop Dogg version of his theme tune. Thank God. Although he has changed it up and he's now got like an orchestral version of his original one. So it's like just some violins in the the main event, which is just kind of a bit pointless. But hell, right. We'll get Fashion Corner out of the way. Fucking Matt Hardy in these suits, man. He needs to do a better job. Like there's something about the old man with a very, very like, like, you know, you got like a nice light blue shirt, like what Rico's wearing good day to wear a shirt regal but then you go to matt hardy's ones and they've just taken the saturation and turned it up to fucking 12 and it's like no no man should wear a shirt that blue and also it's private party come on boys if jr is even calling you out on your wrestling gear you probably need to change it maybe a little bit but i guess it's there to get booze so his shirt first, was a, I think a shirt was the equivalent of like boot cut jeans where you need like something that looks a wee bit worn in it looks like you're comfortable in it you kind of just have the the massive hue, bright blue, like cleanest looking thing ever. Otherwise, it just doesn't look. Doesn't I look feel as though that you maybe literally just bought that from Walmart on the way to the arena, just being like, oh, damn, it, I need a new shirt for this week. They'll recognize, they'll recognize, and just sort it out. But first actual pullover, then uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, A, for winning the Casino Battle Royale, and B, for also continuing his push through Dynamite and getting a really good kind of tag team match with Christian Cage. And I think in general, he's been handled really well. I mean, his mystique has been ruined by JR telling us all a thousand times at Matt that his name is Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And I remember there was a lot of uh, a lot of stigma at the beginning when people wanted to know why he was a Jungle Boy and what made him a Jungle Boy. But I think we've now all just kind of like accepted it and we now all just sing along with his theme tune. So I, I think him versus Omega will be a great little... Um, underdog story I, I don't think he'll win but i really enjoyed his match with um dax harwood a couple of weeks ago and i hope it's of the same mold so more of that please i genuinely uh, think that theme tune is the difference between him being mid card and main event talent do you think because, so ah uh, yeah just it gets the crowd so invested in him for the get-go that i think that's that's it that's all he needed to make I mean- him like big Tony Khan must have deep pockets because see when you go like he's obviously got where is your mind uh, where is my mind for Orange Cassidy right and he's got Wild Thing for Wild Thing Wild Thing will not come cheap I will tell you that right now the Trogs Wild Thing will not come in fact he's, not he's, the he's version, switched that one I switched it to the major league version he yeah. switched to the major league version but yeah it's that still doesn't cut that still work because the trogs will still obviously own the rights in it that is not going to come cheap i'm sorry that i mean but it's like brilliant they, they can do that you know just wait for braun Strowman to get a locomotion a love train <laughs> oh god <laughs> i would take good money for braun Strowman coming down to the oj's love train that would be phenomenal 
I'm all for it. the world. Like Congo and down to the ring, you know? <laughs> like No Way Jose, because yeah, he's a like big no star Whatever happened to No Way Jose? <laughs> um, sorry, Alex. Uh, my, my first bury of the evening has to do with Miss Britt Baker's uh, championship celebration. Now, as I spoke, mentioned to Gary earlier, that I was very happy that they let her have her kind of tweener moment when she won the belt and now they put her straight back to heel. But my big bury is, why the fuck did they put big backs behind her? Britt Baker deserves better than Big Macs after the week she's just had. That's that's just it's this had just reminds me of Donald Trump now, you know, celebrating with Big Macs. But meh. Well, yeah. being like business head on, I'm like, how much did McDonald's pay for that? So maybe they're funding the fucking music we're getting. So, so keep it true. coming. Maybe keep the Big true. Macs coming. It's America. It's the it's the place of product placement. What can I say? And my final put over for the day, the debut of Andrani E. El Dolo. Uh, how is that? Yes, that none of us. Because I mean, it, I was, it was um, the important thing is it was better than Vicky Guerrero. We well, see this is this is. <laughs> I was all then immediately going to bury it and be like, I I, I want to put over the fact that Andrade is now in uh, AEW, but I want to bury everything about the fucking debut. <laughs> like, oh, like, his suit was nice. Come on. Oh, his suit was lovely. He was looking dapper. Like you could see why Charlotte exploded all over Twitter when he came out. <laughs> but like, um, but like. The Vicky Guerrero, right? I understand that for some reason they, they seem to have this Mexican association between Vicky Guerrero, obviously, with the name and her husband, ex-husband and ex hot dead husband, sorry. R.I.P. Eddie. We love late husband. Late, late husband. We are putting it in dead husband, Alex. Yeah. I don't think Vicky Guerrero, like post like, apart from her association with Eddie, doesn't come across in any way as Spanish or Mexican to me. Like her voice isn't, she doesn't look Spanish or Mexican. I mean, she probably is going to be of Spanish and Mexican heritage now, and I'm just being a prick. I'm just but Googling like, right as we speak, Alex. Yeah, Continue what you body yourself. It. Someone please Google this. And also, I'm like, Google, don't worry. Does Andrade doesn't need the Vicky Guerrero go away heat. This is what I don't get. I mean, I know he needs the manager. He's not, his, his English has never been overly great, but that's, but surely why Vicky Guerrero? What? I thought his promo was excellent. I think I'd rather that kind of, I'd rather him cutting a promo that was like that simple, but to the point in English than have him with Vicky Guerrero. Cause that, it's just, I, I kind of fell away from wrestling at the time when Vicky Guerrero and Edge were doing that thing. But I still, for, Vicky, for me, Vicky Guerrero, I'm just like, oh, I'm sure she's a lovely person. I get the full excuse me gimmick, but it's just no for me. And it's not something I want Andrade to be paired with. I think that's a, a bad idea. If you want someone annoying to translate, just use Alex Abrahantes. I was really happy that they stopped putting with pen. I just put Abrahantes with El Idolo. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to call him El Idolo because that's for the marks. It's El Idolo. Or, or um, <laughs> they, they could bring in someone who obviously might be back under contract with WWE, but Zelina Vega. <laughs> Really? <laughs> that would be a why not? Why could not? We, could we bring in Ricardo Rodriguez? Or yes, bring in yes. Ricardo yes. Rodriguez. Yes, let's I'd do be it. Let's do it. Um, yeah, Vicky, you've not buried yourself, Alex. Actually, Vicky Guerrero was uh, from El Paso, so on the border. On the border, close. <laughs> it's a Mexican sounding place, but it is actually in the United States of America. Yes. So so well done. That. Well done. You're okay, Alex. Tread that line very I'm well. sorry if I offended anyone of Mexican or Spanish. <laughs> I, I like that few minutes of as Alex a racist. That's a good game to play. <laughs> 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 well, we just delete this week's <laughs> um, and your match of the night Alex my match of the night was ironically the match with the luchadors in it because I'm obviously <laughs> <the match. laughs> so it was the young bucks versus Pac and, um, and Penta El Zero 
because yeah it's just terrific i'm just so in love with this young but i know that a lot of people are getting bored of it but i'm really into this young buck tag team championship matches like just the quality of the matches we're having week and week it's been like a year of quality just never like since they won the belts essentially and stuff it's just been never ending top quality tag team matches from them and i love it please continue yeah yeah absolutely let's move on to smackdown then and let's go to the new age mark laws bronze hill and rico uh boys um let's come to you first of all with a put over mr bronze chill or whatever we're going to call you from <laughs> um so we're going straight to fashion corner so oh, right wow. at the beginning of the show roman reigns was coming out to the ring and uh camera cut to pat mcafee and he's wearing a shirt straight out of 2001 very new metal black with either a tribal design or leopard print around the sleeves now if you were listening to new metal or rock music in 2001 you definitely had one so it's getting put over for me Yes, I, I thought you were going to bury it for a minute there. I was like, just while we're in the, can we? Can I just say while we're on the, the you know, while we're in fashion corn deep into it, can I just put a shout out to the shacket? Um, I ordered. A I sh- love a jacket, by the way. I, I, ordered, <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I was ordering a shirt online, and then this thing turned up. Now I'm wearing it just now. You, you, if you're watching the video version, you'll see it. It's a sh- it's what I didn't know what it was. Is it a jacket? Is it a shirt? No, apparently it's a thing called a shacket. And I have to say, it's one of the best investments I've ever made in clothing. So going over the shacket just while we're in fashion corner. Continue, sorry. I've got a couple of them and they're very lumberjacky and they look absolutely fantastic and feel fantastic. So uh, if I can get a shacket sponsor for the show, that would be great. Yes, all f- wrestling daft for all your shacket needs. <laughs> Sorry, Bronze. That's okay. And uh, my first put over is just the long-term storytelling of Roman and the Usos. Now, since last September, October, the storyline started. Jimmy returned, and this week, Roman said that Jay acknowledges him. Why don't you? And Jimmy's reply was, I acknowledged you last year when you choked me out in Hell in a Cell. It's been so much bad booking in the WWE lately, mostly Raw, and this has been nine months and it's still going strong. Still enjoying it. Absolutely love it. Can't be over enough. Yeah, it's probably the best storyline in wrestling at the moment. I, I can't, I can't think of anything else at the moment that that, that beats Roman and uh, that whole storytelling with the Usos. Anyone going, going, gone yet? Yeah. The, the I other mean, perfect bit of that was um, the the storytelling that went back to when the the Usos said that they're sick of being confused with one another and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And then Roman, <laughs> essentially a big heel, confused them for one another and <laughs> used the wrong name. I was like, that is that is brilliant. And it's just, I think they've also gone for essentially just being a, another tag team, which we knew they were incredible. We, like, we knew in the ring they could do absolutely everything, but we didn't know much else about them. And the, the, they're just up there in terms of the, the best thing to watch in WWE right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Rico, let's come to you for a buddy, mate. I've not had uh, much opportunity to lament this with anyone else, and I was sad last week that we couldn't be on the show, but Alistair Black being released, you've probably already talked about it enough. Now we can only refer to him by the good name now, only by the better name. (laughs) Mr. Thomas Thomas End End from now on. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, the roster's pretty bloated as it is, but they're starting to cut people and people are going to go elsewhere. But if you're putting together those sort of packages for somebody and you're starting somebody off in a feud with Big E and then you just cut him. What the fuck is that all about? I don't under- I just don't understand 
Um, I read about it being sort of power plays because they're thinking about, you know, like selling the company, blah, 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 et cetera. But I'm sure you could have cut other people. And uh, not that I want anyone to lose jobs or anything, but man, it just it's just such a stupid decision. I mean, the, the flip side of it is, I mean, it left Big E treading water now because he was about to engage in that feud with them. But I suppose the flip side is this could be, this could be the, like the best opportunity that they'll have to pull the trigger on him going up against Roman Reigns because you've got clear, clear infighting coming up with Roman and the Usos. Does Biggie capitalise now? What happens there? But it just total burial for getting rid of Alistair Black because it was it was such a breath of fresh air. I have that sort of character on the show, something that could have worked out with um the Usos and Roman storyline because there's not an awful lot else going story-wise on SmackDown. But yeah, I, I just thought it was such a dumb decision. I love that we're all so busy putting over the Roman uh, the Roman storyline and we're like, wait a second, where is all the other storyline gone? Shit, it's like it's like the <laughs> yeah. big, it's like it's sucking all the other storyline into it. It's like the, the, the Roman and the Usos is totally the glue that's holding SmackDown together. It's, it's so engaging to the point that exactly, Alex, you just forget that there's fuck all else going on. And yeah. it's... Uh, and like they've been they've been smart and they do keep booking it through the show. So it's it's actually it's it's a sensible way to do it. Ten points. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, let's go to back to bronze and let's get a buddy from you, mate. So I've got a bit of a fashion buddy before I get on to my main buddy. So. <laughs> right. Back to fashion corner we go. Don't bury the shack yet. Just move in, it's fine. <laughs> so Bianca Belair came out wearing a dress which was half orange, half purple. She was basically cosplaying as a fruit salad sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> so carrying on with my buddy, I'm just not a fan of her promos. Um, it's just the same crap over about being an athlete. It's wrestling. I don't care how fast you run. I want to hear about how you're going to batter your opponent or, you know, I'm, I'm going to win. No, I don't care how many races you won in medals and stuff. You know, it's, it's getting boring. But um, Bailey saved the segment. She was sitting in a shrine to her, like, by herself, just surrounded by photos of her holding all of her various titles that she's had. She then started to laugh, and then the whole Thunderdome just lit up all the screens of her laughing, and Bianca just looked confused. Bailey saved the segment, to be honest. Let's say, not a fan of Bianca's promos at all at the minute, so... All right. Okay. okay. I'm kind of actually disappointed none of you have that as your uh, wallpapers on the Zoom. So, <laughs> uh, Rico, let's come to you for a put over then. I'm gonna I'm gonna put over Pat McAfee. Um and again I'm gonna I'm gonna have to bring something from last week into the show because it's too hilarious not to to mention. But this week though, um, I th- I thought I'd miss Corey Graves, but Pat's just he's got this sort of special something to him, and as he's grown into the role. Like he buried UEFA for saying this is WWE, referees don't make mistakes. And I like to think that that's tongue-in-cheek because in legit sports and in general entertainment, there might not be a dumber character than the WWE referee. Um, <laughs> so with like with the Euros coming up, is it time for wrestling to take a leaf out of football's book and bring VAR into wrestling? Uh, absolutely fucking not. I come back, Rico, come back. I wanted to get the absolutely fucking not in before I got jumped on there. <laughs> no fucking way. I just like the statement, that's all. But uh, last week as well, he, there was a point where uh, Kevin Owens was in the ring and Commander Aziz 
hit him with a Nigerian nail to around this sort of upper chest, lower neck sort of area. And Bat McAfee goes, um, that's Kevin Owens' cervix destroyed. And it's the first time that any of us will have seen a Nigerian nail destroying Kevin Owens' cervix. What he meant to say was <laughs> his larynx. <laughs> and he did, he did acknowledge it on Twitter saying, um, oh, no, I said cervix instead of larynx. I'm still learning, blah, blah, blah. And I like still that learning. You... I hope you've learned. <laughs> by this point, you're learning. <laughs> learning biology, anatomy, all of this. But I, I don't know. He's, he's, he's quite endearing now. He's just, he's just, he's just endearing. And uh, yeah. it's nonsense going on in, in the middle of Rick Boogs playing the guitar and whatnot. What were we thinking of Rick Boogs? I quite like it. I quite ah, like, yeah, it. like it. He's, he's sold me. He sold me. Yeah. Well, I like the way it's all coming together, and now that everyone's just got in on it, like you've got Pat, like Pat on the side every time he's just standing up and doing it. It's just so good. Yeah, love that stuff. Uh, okay, then uh, match of the night from you, Broncello. It was all actually on twice. Um, as Rico was saying, there was a fluff up, but it was storyline with the referee, so they had to restart the Mysterios versus the Usos. Um, the end of the, the second match, we had Roman running out and battering both of the uh, Mysterios, um, hit them with the stairs, shouting at Ray, shouting at him, saying, watch me batter your son. Um, Jimmy saying that Dominic's done, and um, he walked out and left him. But once Jimmy was out the ring, Roman just carried on battering him. Great storytelling again. Um, I think kind of the reason why we saw it twice was because, like, I don't know if anybody watched... Tommy N's uh, Twitch stream, but he said that he was meant to take on Big E this week on SmackDown. So I think they kind of rushed to, you know, fill that slot. So, yeah, we got it twice. I'm, I'm not complaining. It was good good matches, good storytelling. So yeah. definitely my match of the night. What were you, Rico? Concur or... I'm, I'm going to lean into my last point and just the match was shite but I was so sports entertained by it all is Corbin versus Shinsuke like just oh, the, Corbin here we go back <laughs> to Corbin <laughs> and it was it was essentially the same match from last week or the week before or whenever it was but like they've obviously got Rick Boogs to practice this week because he was horrendous last week playing Shinsuke's theme but he was very good this week um, the match was terrible <laughs> but the whole comedy and the whole silly angle that they've got going on, it's, I, I can't, I can't not like it. Yeah, I, I love the idea of Vince McMahon giving um, Boogs a, a songbook and saying, "Right, go home with your guitar this week and just learn this, please." Love that idea. Um, thank you very much, boys. Right now is the time. I've seen many a tweet from at Wrestling Gary uh, over today about last night's Raw. Bronze has obviously seen it. He's shaking his head. I've seen the picture of Drew, like just with his like face, making a ridiculous face, and it's like, yeah. Right, come on, Gary. How bad was it this week? I'm gonna put off the raw talk for a minute because I want to talk about something uplifting before we get into it. Um, Euros Euros are about to start. Well, I but I also think we should do like a faces and heels of the Euros because I think that'd be brilliant. Oh, let's do that. Let's do Um, that. Yeah, but. for me, the best thing that's happened in wrestling this week isn't even going to get talked about unless I bring it up because it didn't happen on a major show. GCW. Oh, I know you were going to say My yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> Zack Ryder. Absolutely incredible. Matt Cardona, I should say, uh, because all the fans were calling him Zack Ryder to, to, <laughs> to, guard, to give him his heat that he well and truly deserved and earned. But man, the fact that Nick Gage and Moxley, they've built this massive feud 
And I had actually been told, I did the report on it because it wasn't big enough to report, but I'd been told John Moxley was backstage and was going to be interrupting the segment. So I'd even been kayfabed on it. Um, but so Matt Cardona, he's been getting called out by Nick Gage because of all this dark side of the ring stuff. He brought out a t-shirt that said MDK on it to, to kind of mock Nick Gage. Nick Gage is in the middle of the ring after a death match because he's always in a death match. That's all he seems to do. I'm not a big Nick Gage fan myself, but uh, but I love this segment. I think Alex is watching it as we speak. I just, I just, I just I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, but I, so Nick Gage is celebrating the middle of the ring, covered in blood. Guy in a black hood, black dress comes in, starts swaying like Moxley, hits him with, I, I said a paradigm shift, and people are going, it's a dirty deed. I'm going, if, you, if I said the dirty deed, you'd moan at me for saying it wasn't a paradigm shift. So it's I, a death, actually. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he hit him with what was meant to be a paradigm shift, make it look like it's Moxley. The crowd are gone absolutely mental. The crowd are cheering this. They think Moxley's there. The crowd are gone wild. Pulls off the mask. The crowd are still going wild. They think they're seeing Moxley, so they they go even more wild at unmasking, realise it's Matt Cardona, and start booing and shouting "fuck you, Zach Ryder." And it is the best thing I've seen in wrestling all week, maybe all year. I just think that, like, if anybody goes and watches a wrestling video this week, get raw at the windy. Watch that. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. And I think Matt Cardona's probably going to die during that match, but it'll probably all have been worth it. <laughs> I would, I, yeah, you've got to have balls to go to a death match with that engage, man. Jesus. But no, I watched that video, I thought it was, it, <sighs> so I, I covered it. It was, it was, it's just pro wrestling, was it? It was just so pro wrestling. It was brilliant. Everything <laughs> wrestling's been missing, and people always mention a bait and switch as if it's a horrible thing to happen. That was a perfect thing, uh, like the perfect bait and switch. Make the fans there angry. Sure, maybe they're a bit disappointed they didn't see John Moxley. It wasn't advertised. And I think they get something better than seeing John Moxley. So I just think it was brilliant. And I can put it into my fashion corner uh, for Raw because Jackson Riker's cut his hair to try and look like Matt Cardona now. <laughs> he's, he's shaved. Obviously, he's got the nice big thick full beard that Matt Cardona yeah. has got that just looks perfect anyway. But he's uh, he's cut his hair really short to, and it's got like the light brown look with the dark beard. It just looks like Matt Cardona now, except he's Jackson Riker and... I will not use a word that I was going to use, but um, comparable to what we thought Alex was earlier. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so I, my, my buddies and putovers for Raw are really simple because I feel like the time should be spent talking about one thing in particular. So the, 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 the putover is the first two hours and 53 minutes of Raw and the bury is the last seven minutes of Raw. Uh, and, and the putover is, this is my second putover, the putover is, uh, every performer because I think all the performers are going to learn putting on a brilliant show even the ones in the thing we're going to talk about and my very is creative because my god the last seven minutes was just horrendous um, so match of the night I'm going to get out of the way early as well because there was no one there was about five no in a good way there was a okay, fair five enough. I always thought it was just you like I thought you just put over the talent and now you're shitting on the <laughs> no there was so many good matches that I mean the first one was weirdly a t- it was a tag team over the top rope battle royal but one of the tag teams was just Blinsey Dorado because Grand Metalik was the cleared another of the tag teams was John Morrison and his drip 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 stick he calls it now which is just a bubble wand um, but it was a good match really enjoyable match Progressed like hold on, the, rewind. John Morrison's kicking about <laughs> with a bubble wand. What the fuck? It, well, it's kind of more of a, a, like a squishy gun, it's like a super soaker in the form of a bubble wand. Still, I uh, don't know, it's worse. And that's his tag team partner. But <laughs> oh, it, it made sense, and, uh, 
it wasn't the it wasn't anywhere near the worst thing on the show. Um, but it made sense. We've went for like Raw, no having a tag team division. It actually looked like it's got a tag team division. You know, RK Bro were amazing. We had Matt Riddle in that match, and then we had another Riddle match, which I just love seeing seeing him in, him in action. It was against uh, Kofi Kingston this time. We had um, Mansoor against. Oh, I've never got who Mansoor was against, but he picked up a win to progress his wee rivalry with Ali. We had Cedric Alexander versus somebody as well. Yeah, <laughs> and Benjamin Crowley. Was it not Jeff Hardy? Je- Jeff Hardy, Cedric, Cedric Alexander was Jeff Hardy. Another good match. We, like every match was good. I mean, they they didn't what they did one of the coexisting storylines again. We we are up playing Charlotte, so but we'll gloss all that because the match wasn't bad. Nicky Cross got a win. Essentially, every match on the show was good, and there was a lot of matches. Like it felt like a raw when it was just wrestling, 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 until the last seven minutes, which is where the the final bury and the main thing that I need to say is why. <laughs> like I've I've been saying for weeks that Alexa Bliss has always been the put over, and they've somehow I didn't even watch Raw last week because we weren't doing the show. Uh, well, actually, that was because we figured that we weren't doing the show after I didn't watch Raw, which was a, a nice relief. Um, but I didn't watch Raw last week, so I missed this full kind of Shayna Baszler thing with the fire and all that stuff. I didn't hate that when I seen it in the video package before this. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Didn't I absolutely hate it. But then we got this. <laughs> so we had Alexa's playground. Shayna Baszler goes out. Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler start talking. Shayna Baszler saying what we're all thinking. It's just a doll. Uh, but we knew when it was gone. As soon as they start saying that, you're going, right, I don't mind the wacky shite, but I know we're getting mere wacky shite. And there's only so far you can take the wacky shite before it becomes bad. And it's became bad. Um, so obviously there's no Bray Wyatt still Bray Wyatt's not been about since Wrestlemania before that he's not been about for months uh, but we've still got Alexa Bliss and I'm inclined to say she's probably got some creative hand in this but probably nowhere near as much as, as she you know, should have uh, because it seems like it's something that's getting no clue about it, it so we had Alexa Bliss the full it's, it's just a doll shite Good camera angles, good acting, all that stuff. And then uh, Shayna Baszler, good camera angle, looking up at her. Shayna Baszler stomps on the doll. And then that's where it all goes to fuck. But you can kind of see it all going to fuck but like before that. But that's where it all goes to fuck. You've got uh, the, the screen start going out. You know we're getting something kind of pre-recorded because the screen start warping and all that. Alexa Bliss goes in the ring. Shayna Baszler runs away, um, goes backstage. Everything starts falling on her. Somehow, I mean, everybody else has left the building by this point by weird, you know, some weird coincidence, everybody's left. So Shayna Baszler's the only person in the building. Structure's falling on her. She's running away, trying to get out. All the doors are locked. She goes into a room, which then leads her into another room. She locks the door. And then, I don't know if any of remember the Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior mirror gimmick that has been panned like fuck by WWE in one of their YouTube videos. Uh, they've said it is like one of the shittest things ever before. No, that shite they didn't think of. Oh, why do we not just redo this in one of the worst angles we've ever done? Um, so they had Shayna Baszler looking in the mirror and then she sees the doll that she just stood on and then she looks back and the doll's not there and then she looks in the mirror again and the doll's there and then she smashes the mirror and the doll's still there. And then it goes black and Shayna Baszler screams and there you go, you've just completely done everything that you shouldn't have done with Shayna Baszler in the space of the last seven minutes, everything you shouldn't have done with Raw in the last seven minutes and took what was... What we've been missing, a good show to a pure shite show because people are just going to remember the, the end. So it was just hor- horrendous. I don't know what they're going to do next week. I'm probably not going to watch it live. I'll probably do what I've done today and zoom through. 
I, I, if I wasn't covering this, if I didn't need to do it and today with Raw, I wouldn't be touching it with a barge pole with a new, uh, which is a shame because I'd have missed two hours in 53 minutes of good wrestling or because it's seven minutes of horrendousness. Did so, we not also have Drew McIntyre chopping a table in half of the sword at one point? That was good. It should have been bad, but that was good. Which, again, it, it kind of, I don't know why it worked, because it was literally a contract signing where they had um, Bobby Lashley, I just think it's amazing to know. So they had him sign the contract, good promos, like great promos, sign the contract and go into the corner with MVP and then all the women that are now following, following him about the glamorously dressed women. And McIntyre just whips out a sword and chops a table in half. But that's good. I don't mind I'm that. I'm glad you didn't. Mind. I mean, when you went from scantily clad women to Mac and tired as rips it whips out, I was like, okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, what like if you're going to watch Raw, watch the first two hours and fifty three minutes, and you'll enjoy it. And then just press the off button on your app or your remote or whatever. Don't watch the last seven minutes, and you're in for a good time. Right. Okay. Should we have a Raw protest where we just don't watch it anymore? Should we all go? Should we all protest against Raw? I mean, I'm all for it because just now inside the ropes, some other people are covering it, so I don't actually need to stay up and watch it. So if you want to do that and have a protest, I can give you something that's good for the world of wrestling that isn't Raw and something that's bad for the world right, of wrestling okay, that isn't Raw. That, until Raw improves, you're listening. You're listening to us, WWE. You're listening to us, Vince McMahon. <laughs> Wrestling Daft is going on protest against Raw because it's been so shit recently. So we are not, as a show, going to watch Raw until it improves. And Gary is going to watch something else in wrestling. He's going to tell us about it in this buddy or put over section every week. So you listen, Vince. That's the challenge. Make Raw better because we're going in protest. Right, there we go. It's been said. Let the people know. Wrestling Daft is not doing Raw on the buddy and put over section until it improves. There we go. Since Grado's filming, I can get the TNA chat in here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there we go. That's it for this week's Buddy and Put Over. And as um, Gary mentioned, you can get them into Rab and Grado for the headline show this week. As ever, Bronze Chill, we're going to have to get a new name for you. And Rico, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on and doing your thing. Uh, and like I say, if you want to get the Buddies and Put Overs in for the boys, get us on at Wrestling Daft on Twitter on Insta, it's Wrestling Daft Podcast, or just plain old Wrestling Daft on the Book of Face. Thank you all. It's the Wrestling News with Gary Cassidy. Gary, let us start with the return of... I want to get Alex to pronounce this because he does it so well. What do we call Andrade in AEW, Alex? El Hilo. El Hilo. Andrade. El Hilo. El Idol with El Idol in his Mexican El Idol from um, AEW. Uh, apparently, there was rumours that he had complete creative control in his contract. I don't think that's the case. Is that true? No, correction came out about this literally about an hour before we came on air. So, I mean, it's one of the ones that you can kind of see both sides of this. Um, so the, the original report was from Wrestling Inc. who also put out the correction, which, you know, somebody else wouldn't put out a correction. They just contradict their story if they were to report something else. Um, but they put a contradiction, uh, a correction because they had reported that Andrade had had initial talks with Tony Khan. And then um, when those talks happened, they came to a standstill because apparently at that time of reporting, uh, at the time of the first report, 
Andrade Elidolo, uh, I can't do it as well as Alex, but I need to power through it, had essentially said that he wanted some form of creative control, which meant that he could veto who would pin him. Now this, a lot of people that are of a, of a vintage of my age, maybe a wee bit older, will remember that WCW <laughs> had a pretty, uh, a pretty big mandate of this happening every single wrestler that seemed to join NWO had that in their contract and it just uh, was a disaster you can kind of see why somebody like Andrade would want it you know and, and somebody like a big name should probably be able to command something like that because AEW let's say Kenny Omega we had this before Kenny Omega is to defend his AEW championship if he's to then lose his title in every other promotion before it, kind of takes away the mystique. So you can kind of see why somebody would want it. Um, but it's now emerged that that isn't true. Uh, creative control isn't a thing. And apparently Wrestling Inc. Correction said that no one, no one's performer contract in AEW has any creative control. We've got a bloody line there because obviously the EVPs will need to have some sort of creative control. But the the kind of the official line is that Tony Khan has full creative control. He's the person that's got the final say on everything. And Andrade will only be able to say, no, I'm no job in this or pentacle. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think... There's too much in AEW of the lunatics running the asylum, isn't there? I mean, when you look at, you know, they're obviously writing it and booking it themselves because there, there's no creative uh, in AEW, is it? Uh, no, I mean, Chris Jericho said that in the first ever wrestling daft, a lot of them write and book their own story. And that's, you know, for better or worse, because it means we don't get shite promos that much. I mean, we get really good promos, but you also need to take the bad with the good and that people will be able to kind of book their own stuff ever so slightly, even if it's not under contract, it will still happen. You know, if Chris Jericho, this is all hypothetical, I should say, but if Chris Jericho goes to somebody, say Tony Khan, the, the EVPs, and says, I don't want to lose this match. They're definitely going to at least hear about as to why he doesn't want to lose the match. So that is still creative control in some, you know, in some way. And Chris Jericho definitely gets a lot of creative control in the angles that he is in. So it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where you say Andrade might have creative control. It might not be expressly written out in his contract, but I'm sure if they book him in something and he's not happy with it, I think it's just the sign of a good employer that you can go to them and say, I don't want this to happen and they'll at least yeah. hear you out. Maybe a, the sign of a bad employer would be if they say, all right, we'll no do it then. <laughs> but, aye, so, aye. so uh, we'll wait and see how he's... Uh, the guy's just debuted and we've already got a report saying one thing's true and then saying it's false. So yeah. we need to just wait and see how it goes. Talking of uh, bad employers, I, I've got to <laughs> take my hat off to Carl Anderson right here because... This has pissed me off, and well done, Carl Anderson, for flagging this up. Carl Anderson's come out and said, basically, he's advising all the released WWE talents, saying, enough of you th- of the thank you tweets. Put together a plan of attack before you start thanking all these motherfuckers. Go on, Carl. I, I, I like that. I mean, Carl Anderson, I always say it. Well, he's a guy, along with uh, Gallows, just doesn't give a fuck, does he? he just, he's just going to say what he thinks. He does it on Talking Shop. They did it with Talking Shop a mania. They could not care less if they end up back in WWE or no. I think they would actually probably prefer it if they don't end up back in WWE before the end of their careers. Um, this, I believe, but there's some was... of the few that have such legacies elsewhere. <laughs> like they can go back to New Japan where they are actually fucking legends. You know, like it's different. I, for them. I don't think like I don't think they need WWE money. I think they can get a high wage outside of WWE, and I think they probably have also saved pretty well. Um, but this was on Talking Shop, which is you know his own podcast. Can say what he wants on it. Uh, he said, we know what it's like to get canned for WWE. Here's the advice I would say. Enough of the thank you tweets. Give me a fucking break. When you get canned, let it go. How about the hashtag fuck off? 
mean, <laughs> I mean, why? I mean, see, like, just for example, we don't work in in the wrestling industry. Obviously, Gary, you do to a certain extent. But see, if an employer, like your everyday employer, decide to get rid of you, you know, or didn't renew your contract, would you immediately then go, oh, thank you so much for your time there? Would you fuck? You'd be like, fuck off. It's see. I'm, I'm very overly good manners and that kind of thing. And when I left my previous employer, I did put a, you know, kind of, I thank them for the opportunity, but I also expressed the reasons why I wasn't happy and why I left as well. Right, yeah. I think balance is important. I think um, I get it because particularly if you're a young talent, you don't yeah. want to burn that bridge. You definitely don't want to. But you like, don't you, have to say thank you on, on a public... F- no, you, you, do you don't have to do it publicly. Uh, you, you don't have to put it... Uh, but I think it's it's a bit of a social media thing. I mean, it's, it's building your brand. If you, the pro- if, the problem is one person does it and you go, fuck, I'm going to have to uh, say thanks. You know, I'm gonna... I think it's the equivalent of when you're at work and thankfully I work from home so I don't ever need to put up with this shite ever again. I think John's got a promo on it before. It's the equivalent of the fucking birthday card at work for somebody oh. that you've never had a conversation oh, with. Oh, yeah. Sign this. Do I need to? Do I really need to? Aye. It's, it's that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. Absolutely, yeah. You're 100% right. So well done, Carl Anderson, for flagging that up. Uh, and finally, um, everyone's always wanted to see a John Cena heel turn, but uh, a former WWE writer has uh, came out and said, why Cena never turned heel in surprise? There's no surprises, is there? There really isn't any surprises. How many t-shirts did John Cena sell is the easy? (laughs) I mean, I think that it's it's the kind of thing where we all wanted it to happen. I mean, uh, like, everybody wanted it to happen. What was the biggest selling t-shirt in WCW? I asked, was it a face or a heel? You turned John Cena heel and it probably probably still sells t-shirts, doesn't it? But I mean, the the main... I always think there's two sides to this, and I get it. The money argument is definitely a, a big thing because you don't really want to chop your nose off when you've got like all the t-shirt sales coming in. The make a wish thing, I think, was always the main thing. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's always going to be the the, the kind of you know why. I, I know you can separate it, but why would you turn this guy heel when he is the make a wish guy? He's like not even just in wrestling. Over six hundred and fifty wishes, more than anybody else has ever done. Um, so, and I mean, we did kind of see the John Cena heel turn for three seconds at WrestleMania last year. <laughs> that it destroyed him. It, it meant, you know, we've not seen John Cena in wrestling since. So uh, so I think that's uh, why. But I do agree um, that, 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 you know, why we didn't see him as money. Obviously, a writer would have uh, would have more to say about that than, uh, than me. But um, I believe it was Brian Gewertz. It was Matt McCarthy who came. Matt McCarthy, and... sorry, that was I. Matt McCarthy that came in and said, um, "But I maybe he will return heel. You never know. Different times. Roman Reigns is heel. We didn't think that would happen. So I, well, I don't think it will ha- happen now. But apparently, he went so it went so far. He was fully committed to turning heel. Cena. It went so far to even design new ring gear for it, which I thought is really interesting. He was totally well, into turning heel. Just get fucking booed anyway. <laughs> like you've got the most heelish thing on. Well, it. that's what that's what they said. I think the Aye. reason from the creative team was that so many people were booing him. It was just you know staying the same was the most heelish thing to do, <laughs> which was is quite true. Essentially what they've learned and done with Roman Reigns, but I think that's the kind of thing where if they brought out John Cena, and, and I know they had a black cap and black t-shirt as well at one point, but if they'd have brought him in a black cap and a black t-shirt, folk would have went mental and bought that as well, and they would have probably got the adult audience buying it, um, but I, I just, I, I think it's the kind of thing where John Cena, you can imagine he would have probably been all for it, and he's, you know, method actor, isn't he? <laughs> the guy's a brilliant actor, so you can imagine he would have been fully into being healed, but 
Brilliant to push a wee bit, Gary. I'll be honest with you. I've seen some <laughs> John Cena's films. Jesus. Uh, that's it for he's the getting new... better. He's getting, he's getting better. better. Well, he's going to be in the new um, Suicide Squad film. Suicide Squad, aye, yes, indeed. And Fast X. I don't know, we're on Fast X yet. I've been talking about Fast X as a joke since Fast Five, and now that we're like so close to I it, I don't know how many Fast films we have anymore. I keep bringing it up, but Daddy's home. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, Daddy's home is a great film. I'm not going to have a bad word saying against Daddy's home. <laughs> have you ever watched the Marine? Right, the the plot of the Marine goes: John Cena walks into a building, building explodes. John Cena jumps out of window and repeat, and it's just like that for an hour and a half. It's... Is that not Demolition Man? No. By the way, <laughs> no, Demolition Man is good and has a plot. Demolition <laughs> Man is on Netflix, and I got really drunk on Friday night, and it's the best hour and a half you will spend. Oh, it's terrific, isn't it? It's amazing, amazing. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Thanks for the news, Gary. Watch Demolition Man on Netflix for next week, guys. You will probably know him as Big Cass from WWE, but he's now known as W. Morrissey, and Gary caught up with him. I decided not to ask him how to be seven feet tall because you can't teach that. Um, but I did I ask did, him. I did it. <laughs> you did the joke of the week. That's the joke of the week, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I already said it in the interview as well, so hopefully John's edited it out and I don't look like a recycling. <laughs> no, no, I'm keeping that in now. Let's get it But I so um, great chat with the big guy. Uh, you know, I said earlier, obviously I mentioned to him about me reporting on his debut. Asked him about why he kind of joined uh, WWE, uh, Impact even, sorry, after after his departure for WWE. Asked him about Melina. And the one thing that kind of surprised me, and, and I, when I thought I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite good. Uh, I asked him about, you know, Melina, because he was behind the Indies, and he's like, no, I don't need a mouthpiece. I'm, I'm good at promos. If you look back at my body of work, I'm really good at promos. And yeah. I mean, the interview, I thought it came across really well, no being in character, but he actually cut an incredible promo on Impact the following week. And I was like, oh, he was right. Never mind, doesn't need Melina. Uh, but I, brilliant, I really enjoyed speaking to him. So hopefully, hopefully, other people will enjoy listening to it. And here he is on Wrestling Daft. It's Big Cast W Morrissey. Welcome back to Inside the Ropes. I'm Gary Cast, and I'm joined by a man who used to have a very similar name to me, but he's a little bit taller. I'm not going to ask him how to be seven feet tall because I know that you can't teach that. It's W Morrissey. First things first, it's absolutely great to see you back in the ring. Great to speak to you. I spoke to a couple of people last year and they told me at that time, Big Cass, Big Cass is in the shape of his life. And I was like, well, I mean, it wasn't in bad shape before, but I can't wait to see what they mean by the shape of his life. I now know they weren't lying. Uh, so I need to ask you, what's the mindset of W. Morrissey? You know, now that you're back, looking better than ever, absolutely dominating so far in impact. What is going through the mind of W. Morrissey right now? What's going through my mind is that I want to make it to the top of the wrestling industry. Uh, that's what I've always wanted to do, and I've had some setbacks, and I've even considered stepping away from wrestling. But at the root of it, deep down, you know, ever since I was a kid, this is all I've ever wanted to do is my first love and my first passion, and I want to be the best. So I'm going to do everything in my power to, to you know, get to the top of professional wrestling and the entire industry. And if I don't make it there, I'm going to die trying, but... My goal is to make it to the absolute top of professional wrestling. And uh, I don't know how long that's going to take, but every single day, I'm grateful to wake up and I'm going to give it my all every day to make it make a name for myself. Absolutely. I love that answer. It looks like that's coming through in the ring anyway, so I can't wait to see how it goes. Now, 
this as well. I need to address an elephant in the room, and either this is something you're going to be completely unaware of, and you'll now think that, man, this guy is terrible, or you might be aware of it, and I'll ask your reaction anyway. On the day that you made your Impact debut, I'd actually put out a report that you were going to be joining Impact shortly thereafter. I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh... The first part of this is, what is your reaction when you see a report like that coming out? But the second part of that question would be the positivity that came out of that was everyone that responded, you know, both on a small scale to me were excited. But then when it actually happened, everyone was over the moon and delighted to see you. So one, what's the reaction when you see a report like that come out? But two, what's the reaction when you see the love that's, that's shared about you actually doing it? Well, I'll answer the second question first. The second question uh, my reaction was, this is great. You know, I'm glad people are super happy to see me and I'm going to, you know, make them proud and I'm going to make them super excited tonight. And I'm going to, you know, really jump off the screen at them and, and give them, give them a, a good moment for themselves during this pay-per-view with me coming back and dominating. And as for the first question, my first thought was, who's the stooge? Uh, was it the guy that picked me up from the airport? Was it the person that was in the lobby at the hotel that saw me? Or was it somebody that was here at the building in the production meeting or saw the run sheet? That was honestly my first thought was, who's the stooge? Who said something? Because we kept, me and Scott kept that quiet for weeks. And then the morning that I showed up here, the, it, the report came out and I said, somebody saw me or someone was at the building and heard. So who's the stooge? So that was my first thought. Who's the stooge? The only thing that I absolutely loved is the fact that you debuted with a name that was so far away from Cassidy as humanly possible. So no one was like, that's like his little brother or his nephew or something that, is, uh, <laughs> that he's leaked and used to. But I, I can say that I, I had to get that out of the way, get my red face out of the way so we can continue with the interview without the elephant in the room. Oh, good. You're just doing your job. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you said yeah. that way. That's it. And I'm glad we're this far away, so I'm not hit, getting hit with a big boot as well. That's always good. Um, but I did mention the name there. You know, you've you've debuted with a slightly different name than what people are, are familiar with. But as your name, I want to ask about the decision to change that name, because, you know, obviously we've known you as Big Cass. We know why that changed to, you know, Cas XL. Why W Morrissey? Because it's a fresh start in a new company, and I'm you know, this is this is day one of a new journey for me. Uh, it's day one of me making it to the top of professional wrestling on my own with a healthy mindset, being sober and happy and healthy. And it was a brand new start. And I didn't want anything associated with what I used to do or who I used to be getting in the way of this new journey. So anything that I used to do went out the window, including gear, the look, um, everything. And I wanted a fresh start. So, and I thought coming back as a heel, there's no, it's just it, using when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash showed up at WCW, I thought that was really cool using their real names. But for a heel, just having me abbreviate my first name instead of saying it, uh, I, I thought that that was pretty, pretty arrogant. So the day of is when I decided, or we decided that we were going to be W Morrissey instead. Man, I love that. And you mentioned a name there that I was going to bring up a little bit later, but I feel like I should do it now. Kevin Nash, that's a comparison a lot of people have made. And man, it's not a bad comparison for people to make. You know, one of the one of the greatest big men in wrestling ever, one of the best businessmen in wrestling ever. Is that someone that you deliberately model yourself on? Or is it just, you know, a coincidence and you're like, oh, 
I'm being compared to another big guy. Why am I being compared to this big guy? Is there actually no. an inspiration there? Yeah, and that's someone that I definitely watched a lot of and, and I've talked to a lot and gotten advice from. So Kevin Nash being a comparison of mine is fantastic. I take that as a huge compliment. And yeah, that's it's not a coincidence. It's definitely someone I mold mold my game after quite a bit. So Kevin Nash it being or me being compared to Kevin Nash, that's a huge compliment. And it's kind of what I would have hoped, yes. Definitely. It's, I mean, it's obvious to see the comparison. If you go on to have half the career that Kevin Nash has, no one would ever complain about that. Any wrestler in their right mind would take that. Yeah. Now, you know, I always like to say that, you know, when you report on something, you like to pretend you know absolutely everything about what went on and how it happened. Obviously, I mentioned that you were going to turn up, but I've got no idea how it actually came to fruition. You know, I, I know that you're quite good friends with the Good Brothers. You'd wrestled at um, Larry Atle Pro and stuff before that. Were they instrumental in getting you an impact? Was there someone else that was there? Was it Scott Demore? How did the impact thing come about? Yeah, I worked the Larry Auto Pro show where I came back for Gallows. Uh, and then the next time I went to Larry Auto Pro, Scott Demore was doing a training session there uh, and actually scouting talent um, earlier in the day. So he was hanging around the show and I got a chance to talk to him. And he saw that I was you know, healthy and in a good place mentally and obviously in really great shape and you know, I, I had a, I had a more of a professional mindset coming back to wrestling, just treating it like, let's do good business. Let's make money together. And uh, I guess after that conversation, we stayed in touch. And that's when we started talking about me actually coming here. Definitely. And at that show and, you know, in a few other dates, you were uh, working with someone else who is a pretty big name. I love the pairing, Melina. Um, how was that partnership and is she someone you'd like to see an impact and would you be pitching to have it alongside you if she was to join? Well, right now in impact, I'm happy being on my own. I want to make a name for myself. I want to show what I can do. You know, I, I don't need a mouthpiece. I know people have thought for a long time that I, pro that I need a mouthpiece, but people, if they will go back and look at my body of work and where I used to be and seen some promos that I cut, um, you know, I don't need a, I don't need a freaking mouthpiece. So I want to do things on my own here and show the world what I can do and show them how talented I am. But being an SWE and having Melina by my side, it's been fantastic. She's amazing. She's a great, you know, compliment to me. I'm a great compliment to her. Um, and yeah, she, uh, you know, it's the guys out there, Kevin Sullivan and Teddy Long and the promoter out there, Tom, you know, they, they asked me if I would be want to do that. And they pitched that idea to me before I came out. I said, hell yeah. Melina's dope. So uh, that's what we've been doing out there in the Dallas area uh, for SWE. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And it's nice to see the difference as well, because like you said, you don't need a mouthpiece. Everyone knows that you've got promo ability. They're seeing it very much so an impact. I want to move a little bit away from the ring and ask you about someone in particular. You mentioned, you know, getting back into shape, getting in the best shape of your life. A man, one of the, one of the two men that told me you were in the shape of your life, as someone who I think has helped you a little bit in, in terms of getting there. And I think he does outstanding work. It's Diamond Dallas Page. You know, obviously, you know him very well. I just want to ask, I don't think he would want to take credit because he always says, you know, you need to put the work in. You need to be the person that works for you. But, you know, what uh, What credit does Diamond Dallas Page take in W. Morrissey being the W. Morrissey he is today? I think he, he was a big catalyst in me starting to open up about where I was at mentally uh, and my addiction. And that's something that I hid for a really long time because I was embarrassed and there's a stigma that comes with it. 
and you know i didn't want to people to make fun of me or look down on me because you know i was having mental health issues or because of my alcoholism so i hid that for a while and he was somebody that told me to just be honest and open about it and that's kind of how i approach life now is i'm always honest in any of these interviews i'm not going to lie i'm going to be very transparent you could ask me anything and i'm going to be super honest with you because i got nothing to hide unlike a lot of other people in the wrestling industry i'm not going to hide anything anymore because that's not good for me mentally to play a part and to act and to wear a mask and be somebody that I'm not. So, you know, he was the one that told me to be honest and open about it. We put a video out and that actually lifted a huge weight off of me. So going forward, uh, always being honest. That's where I started being honest with fans, with other people in the industry, with anybody that knew me. Uh, he, he kind of helped me to open up about that. And um, that was probably the beginning of me becoming a different person, starting to live a different life probably is that honesty. And that, that that's something that's preached in the recovery is honesty. So, um, you know, I could get into the physical aspect of things, but I think the, the mental aspect of things is a lot bigger. Uh, so when I started being honest is when, you know, things started changing for me. You know, I definitely had some downfalls after, but, um, I'm, I, I vow to just be honest going forward because I don't want to lie and living a lie is what causes me anxiety and stress and puts me in a bad mindset. Yeah, I have to say that, you know, I've been doing DDPY myself and seeing that video, it was inspirational. It was absolutely incredible. And I just love the guy's work and I loved seeing, you know, the shape that you got into and the full message as well. You know, your T-shirt with the, the 12 steps was absolutely incredible. I want to ask about a couple of things that are, you know, not quite about W. Morrissey and then go back to W. Morrissey. Things that you've witnessed. So I think I read it that for this moment, you'd said something about it being the biggest pop in WrestleMania history. Two impact legends, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy coming back. You're in the ring and you whisper something. Is that what you said or something along the lines of biggest pop? And what was it like just seeing that moment and being in the ring for that moment? Pretty sure I said something along the lines. Did you hear that motherfucking pop? That was fucking crazy. But yeah, being in the ring, like there was speculation, but really the six people in the ring, you know, and a few people backstage were the only people that knew what was about to happen. And like while we were all in the ring, all six of us with the belt above us circling each other, we all knew what was about to happen. And it's pretty cool feeling because we were excited and anticipating what was about to happen because we knew how the fans were going to react. So uh, that moment right before the new day came out was super, uh, it was just, it was really tense, but really exciting. And it was cool to be in there with those five other guys. Yeah, definitely. And then before we go back to W. Morrissey, the one other thing that I want to ask, it's not really about you, but I mean, it needs your insight to know exactly what the answer to this would be. You have been in the ring with lots of legends. You've been in the locker room with lots of legends. You know, you've wrestled Daniel Bryan, MVP, all these names. You've been, you know, Eric Young's an impact. You've got all these legends. You've shared the locker room with them. What's the most surreal experience you've had in wrestling so far with a legendary name that you've been like, man, that that blew me away? Doing uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast uh, three days before it, Enzo and I debuted on Raw. We did uh, a sit-down in his hotel room in Dallas, uh, the WrestleMania hotel. That was surreal because, like, that's who I looked up to growing up. And you try not to mark out. You want to play it cool. But, and I did play it cool. I think I did a good job. But inside, I was like, 
this is Stone Cold Steve Austin sitting at the same table as me right now, interviewing me for his podcast. Uh, it, that was surreal. That was absolutely surreal. I don't think there's any arguing with that because I'm not sure there's anyone in the planet who wouldn't be in that situation around Stone Cold Steve Austin. So yeah. two final questions, <laughs> going back to W. Morrissey. I always like to get it from the horse's mouth. I've seen reports. Are you a fully-fledged impact talent? Or are you there for the long haul? I'm here right now. That's really all I can say. You know, I'm grateful to, to wake up every day. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be alive. So I, I have to live one day at a time. I can't future trip, man, because in recovery, if you start future tripping, that spells there. So, but in terms of real long-term and looking too far down the line and where am I going to end up, I can't worry about that. But for right now, I'm an impact. I love being an impact. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I'll be here today, tomorrow, and probably, you know, a few weeks from now. So, um, but as far as super long-term, there's nothing really long-term set right now. Excellent. I'm not going to ask you to look too far in the future for the last question then. Impact, you've had a few amazing matches so far. I mean, the Willie Mack one was absolutely outstanding. And then Rich Swan obviously comes back. Who in Impact is W. Morrissey's dream match? Who is the one person that you're like, Scott Demore gives you the book right now, says, write down the match you want at Slammiversary, if you're still here at Slammiversary. What's the match you want? Well, you know, it would have been it would have been Kenny Omega, you know, because I want to work with the best. And he's, he's one of the best in the world right now, and he's at the top of the wrestling industry. I would love to work with Kenny Omega. I'd love to wrestle him for the Impact World title. And um, that's still something I want to do. But, uh, you know, I'd also want to get my hands on Rich Swan because I'm, to be honest with you, very pissed off at him. Uh, and uh, there's a few people here that I really want to moose is another guy that I really want to wrestle. But yeah, I mean, if I had to write one down, it has to be Kenny Omega. You know, I want to match with one of the best in the world guy at the top of the industry, carrying every freaking belt there is the guys just dripping with gold. Um, yeah. That's the guy. That's the match that I want is, is Kenny Omega. And if it doesn't happen at Slammiversary, Hopefully it happens somewhere down the line. Fingers crossed, man. That's a match I want to see, but I can't wait to see what you do. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for being thank so you. open with your answers. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, bro. So that's it for this week's Wrestling Daft. Lots of uh, topics covered. We've covered everything from uh, sandwiches to shackets um, to everything in between. And Alex is a racist. Wrestling choice. <laughs> Yeah, we talked a lot about our wrestling as well. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Rab and Grady will back on Friday with a headline show. I think that we should have the team back together this week for the first time in about three weeks. Uh, they've both been filming their new sitcoms, so that's why they've not been on together. Uh, list of wrestling daft this week. The best finishers in the business today and the RKO is banned, so you can't say that. Has this not been fun? Yeah, I think we did the best finishers of all time. I didn't think we did the best, the best current. Did, are you all? Did you realise that everyone's just going to say the diamond cutter, or the cutter, no, no, or the no. Oz cutter, or no, the Cody this, cutter? This is where me and Rico come into our own because everybody's going to say the end of days, all the clips, but that doesn't get used as much. But end of days, yeah. Bye, Amigo. Bye, Amigo. 
you know what? Now you say it, it might, might have been done before. It has anyway. been done before. <laughs> right, we'll do that again. We'll do that again. We'll go back to the well. It's, it's been a bit of year. Different people are a bit with different exactly. finishers. Anthony Agogo, there you go. <laughs> yeah, lots of new listeners. There we go. So there we go. So Anthony Agogo, Alex, what are you going for? Oh, see, I love the Canadian Piledriver because I remember it when it was done by P. Williams and it was a finisher, not a mid-proof as he continually brings up onto it. I feel really bad that everyone's just stealing that now. I mean... Yeah. Because he's my favourite journalist, the Meltzer driver. Yeah. <laughs> there, you go. there we go. There we go. No, no, Kamigoe. The Kamigoe is the ultimate wrestling finisher because that would legitimately actually fucking knock you out. There you go. That, I'm going to go for... I like the curb stomp, so I think that's, that looks deadly deadly so there we go uh, they'll be talking about that you can get your suggestions in for rap and on that remember you can sign up to our patreon see us in all our visual glory patreon.com forward slash wrestling daft uh, you buy yourself a t-shirt as well i'm wearing one just now i'm wearing uh, wrestling's kid on there we go you can see it if you're signed up to the patreon so you'll have to then sign up to the patreon to then buy a t-shirt but if you want to see our selection of t-shirts you can do that shop.spreadshirt.co.uk forward slash wrestling daft Gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, Gary, you're off to interview Chelsea Green. Yeah, I'm indeed. It's been a busy day. I've had Mark Andrews earlier in the day and I've got Chelsea Green in about 20 minutes. So really looking forward to that. Here, uh, loads of interviews coming to wrestling after Mark. I'm Super- sorry to hear her podcast got uh, a DCMA as well. Aye, but it's fine. She's just changed the name. So we're What's it called now? Um, green with Envy. Ah, still quite, ah, not quite 50 shades of green, but it's decent. Well played, definitely. Well played, Chelsea Green. Uh, so hear that chat and the rest of that March soon. Uh, thank you very much, gents. As ever, we'll be back next week. And until that time, you keep marking out. Audio Frontier. <laughs> <laughs>